0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
1: Believe. Hello and welcome to episode number 202 of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports podcast network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi and I'm joined by Tony Pauline as always. And this week we get to the big boy when it comes to the NFL draft. The Big Ten and ACC are done and now it is time to tackle the Southeastern Conference, the SEC. We're going to do it in two shows because otherwise we'd be here for an hour and a half tonight. But either way, Tony, it's starting to feel like football season again.
0: Well, it is. I mean, the college season kicks off A week from tonight with, you know, a a slate of about a half dozen games or so. Uh, And then it really kicks off the following week after that, Labor Day weekend. So, uh, I mean, we are close to real football. Obviously, the NFL goes into week two of its preseason. The New York Jets, sadly, without Carl Lawson after today's news that he tore his his Achilles, uh, which was a mighty blow to that team. Uh, Just bad luck, misfortune. But, you know, I mean, it is what it is. And uh, it'll be great to see not only football back in gear, year, but fans in the stands, especially in the
1: college season. For long-time listeners of, of this show, you've uh, certainly heard us talk about uh, the Jets haven't had a pass rusher since the John Abraham days. Well, they finally got one. They go out, they spend money on a guy who hasn't peaked yet, you know, a guy that I was expecting big things from, as I'm sure they were. And, you know, yeah, it's terrible to see. The pass rush is awful again. And, you know, Achilles injuries are these days worse than ACL injuries. So you really – Hope he can get back at the very least next year and you know be effective. But yeah, just just a complete. I had a buddy text me. He said he called it a gut punch, and I, I think that's a that's a very good way to describe it. Forget about
0: expecting big things. I mean, he was showing great. I mean, literally from the first day of camp. Uh, I mean, he was living up to expectations. He was worth more than what they they paid him. Granted, it was early, but I mean, he had checked all the boxes, which I think makes it even more devastating for the Jets and obviously for Jet fans.
1: Yeah, and Makai Becton was learning a lot from him. And that's the kind of battle that's going to make everybody better in practice. And, you know, unfortunately, now it's on hold until next season. But best wishes to Carl Lawson. We hope for a speedy recovery. We'll get to this week's show in just a minute. But first, a word from our sponsor. If you're into sports betting, bet online is where you should go to win money today.
0: Whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the championship, online has all the latest odds, news, and
1: information for all your online sports betting needs. Speaking of futures, we have the usual suspects competing for the college football playoff title. Alabama favored at just under 3-1, to followed by Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Ohio State, all between 5-1 to and 7-1. to That is a massive drop. To Iowa State and Texas AM at 28 to 1. Tony, do you see any dark horses beyond that top five I mentioned?
0: No, I, I think George is a little bit underrated. And since my daughter just uh, is about to start her freshman season at Ohio State, I guess I'm going to have to pull for them.
1: Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to betonline.ag and start playing today. Better Mind,
0: your online sportsbook experts.
1: Now, the SEC 65 players drafted in April, easily the most of any conference. 12 of those players were first round picks, also easily the most of any conference. 38 of those 65 selections played for the six teams that we're going to cover on today's episode, including 10 of those 12 first rounders and four of the six top 10 picks that the conference provided, three of which came from Alabama. So obviously just a loaded conference as a whole, about 50% more players drafted than the Big Ten or the SEC, which we've recently covered. Tony, is there more of the same coming in 2022?
0: You know, from where I sit right now, from the film I've watched and my board, I'm going to say no. I think it's going to be sort of an off year for the SEC, which we'll get into uh, as we break down the individual teams. And I think that's bound to happen because, the SEC, Alabama, LSU, even Florida, Georgia, you know, year after year, you're having loads and loads of underclassmen who enter the draft. And these, these schools, these programs have to replenish. They do, and they do well on the college level, but eventually it's going to come around, kind of bite you. If you will, you're not going to have the same results during the NFL draft, which I think we're going to see next year.
1: We will explain as we go through the teams. And we will go through the teams in just a moment. But We have a message from our new friends over at Balance 7. So I don't know if you've heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball soon in Spain. You know, I was
0: reading a press release about how he started taking a pH balancing alkaline supplement called Balance 7. And that's what helped him bounce back from his
1: hospitalization in 2015. He even said, quote, I have an enormous amount of energy, which is good for me. It's important when working out. I always need energy to level
0: up. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with Lamar. After watching him fight Aaron Carter in July's celebrity boxing match, I think it's safe to say that Balance 7 is working for him.
1: And now the cool thing is that we have a promotion running with Balance 7 right now, where if you go to their website, balance7.com, and that's the number 7, you can use the code BELIEVE at checkout. And you will receive a free four ounce bottle of My Smooth Skin with any purchase of Balance 7 products. And that product retails at $13.99. So I'd say it's worth it. Again, head to balance7.com
0: and use the code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, at checkout to get in on the promotion. I know I will. If it worked for him, it could work for you too.
1: Now, Alabama, the typical draft dominance for the Crimson Tide. 10 players selected overall, six of them in the first round, including five from the offensive side of the football and three in the top 10. This year though, as somebody kind of alluded to before with the entire conference, it's looking like a repeat of those numbers from Alabama might be tough. They do still have a trio of guys who could crack round one, including a player that I included in our top 10 mock draft earlier this summer, left tackle, Evan Neal, taking over for first round pick Alex Leatherwood after playing right tackle last season, a massive dude, but, also a good athlete. If you haven't seen the video of his box jump, pause this, look it up. It's impressive. He's also technically sound, understands how to position himself, use his feet. I really do think he has top 10 upside. If he transitions smoothly to left tackle, just a better physical package than Leatherwood. And let's not forget, even though it was a reach, Leatherwood went 17th overall. And I say it's a reach. Tony and I both liked Leatherwood a lot. We still think it's a reach, but even still, Evan Neal has more physical ability than Leatherwood. So there's definitely a chance that he could go higher in the draft if he has a big season wide receiver, John Mechie the third. Now the number one receiver for the tide with Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle gone, probably not a potential top 10 guy, like his former teammates. Also didn't really blow the doors off statistically when Waddle went down last year, that was more Devonte Smith, just taking over more and more, but overall the numbers were good. 55 catches, 916 yards and six touchdowns as the third wheel 1000 yard season really should be a lock in 2021 for the speedster. But he's also more than just speed, decent enough size and natural receiving talent. Definitely a player who could end up in round one, as could linebacker Christian Harris, second leading tackler for the Tide in 2020 behind Dylan Moses, who is now a Jacksonville Jaguar. Harris added four and a half sacks, two pass breakups and one interception. Those numbers speak the truth as to what his film says on the field. He can contribute on every down in all facets of the game. And while Moses was once a first round talent who fell out of the draft due to injury issues, Harris, no such issues. He's already a third-year starter as a true junior, so plenty of experience, and certainly would not surprise to see him in round one. Obviously, there's way more than just this trio in terms of Alabama prospects for the 2022 draft. Break it all down for us, Tony.
0: I think at this point each year, you you know, when you, before just before the season uh, began, you could point to several Alabama players that you know were going to be surefire First round, if not top 15 picks last year it was Patrick Sertain, Devonta Smith. The year before that, it was Tua Tagliavoa. The year before that, it was Quinton Williams. I mean, and on and on. Uh, O.J. Howard, who's actually a 19th pick. Uh, But you knew guys that, you know, you could pen into your mock drafts if you did in this row that were going to be top 15 picks. I, I agree with you about Neil. I think he's got top 15 potential. I just don't grade him as a top 15 player just yet. I do think if he moves to the left side and has a knockout season and continues to improve on the play he's shown, he will be an early selection. But from where I sit right now, I've got to see that progress in his game before I pen him down as a, a, a top 15 pick, never mind a guaranteed first-round pick. I like him, but I want to see continued improvement. Same thing with Mechi. I mean, Mechie's in a situation right now where he's the man. Waddle's gone, although Waddle played a fraction of the season last year and Mechie had to step up for him. And now Devonta Smith is gone and Devonta Smith won the Heisman Trophy. So Mechie's really got to show his stuff with a brand new quarterback, by the way. I absolutely love Christian Harris. I, I don't know why more people are not grading him as highly. He's a three down defender. He covers a lot of area on the field. He's outstanding in pursuit, terrific in coverage. Sells out of the blitz. He is the third uh, Alabama Crimson Tide player who I think could slide into the first round uh, next April, assuming that they all uh, enter the draft. All of them are third-year juniors. I would expect them to enter the draft off of good seasons. As you know, we said at the top, Alabama usually has a bunch of uh, underclassmen who leave early for the draft. There's usually a, a surprise or two guy that stays behind. Julio Billingsley is someone who's got a great amount of upside. He looks like a big possession receiver playing the tight end position. Josh Joe gets a lot of love outside the scouting community, but most scouts I spoke with have the same grade on him as I do, a third rounder. Decent size, compact build, but he struggles making plays with his back to the ball. He's a little late getting to the action. I like Darian Mathis, who's a big uh, space eater in the middle. And it goes on and on. I've got 12 players from Alabama with draftable grades. But I think more so than previous years, there were a lot of day three guys and there's no consensus top 15 pick at this point in time in the scouting community, although some people understandably
1: like Neil. Now, Arkansas, just one pick in April, defensive tackle Jonathan Marshall in round six, kept its draft streak alive, though. Razorbacks have had a selection every year since 1995, should extend that streak again in 2022. Illinois State transfer John Ridgway tops the Razorbacks board. Not many nose tackles lead their team in tackles, but Ridgway did just that, 22 in just four games for the Redbirds, three tackles for loss as well. Now he takes his nose tackle size and his three-technique athletic ability to the SEC and really should make it four straight years with Arkansas having a defensive tackle drafted. Left tackle Myron Cunningham, similar to Ridgway, good size, moves like someone 20 pounds later. Both guys are seniors as well, should hear their names called on draft day, except obviously Cunningham plays offense. Redshirt sophomore, safety Jalen Catalan, the third leading tackler for Arkansas in 2020 with 99 in 10 games. He also picked off three passes, broke up four and forced two fumbles as a redshirt freshman in the SEC. So just that production alone at such a young age absolutely makes him a player to watch moving forward. And he flashes on the scene. He's a big play guy that
0: shows a lot of uh, suddenness in his game, very explosive. I personally grade him as a six rounder. I think he's got a huge amount of upside. Got to see it. Want to see some development in this game. Third year sophomore. Getting back to Ridgeway, I-, I think it was a brilliant career move going from Illinois State to Arkansas. The guy's a six foot five, and he's an athletic six foot five, 320 pounder who not only occupies space, but made a lot of plays on the small school level. He was explosive, good change of direction, constantly around the ball. And Illinois State had a lot of, a lot of prospects. Most of them were the free agent, undrafted free agent type, uh, but watched a lot of him. And Ridgeway, literally, for the past three years, consistently stood out for me. So I, I think it's a good move for him. Going to Arkansas, he's going to be playing against better competition. He'll have the chance to basically headline more and really improve his draft stock. I have him as a fourth rounder. But as I said, a pro football network, I could absolutely see Ridgeway moving into day two with a big season and and, and some good
1: results in the lead up to the 2022 draft. And moving on to the third A team in the conference, and that's the Auburn Tigers, a year after placing three players in the top 50, nobody in the top 90 in 2021, four total selections overall. The only day two pick being wide receiver Anthony Schwartz to the Cleveland Browns. Auburn should bounce back next year, though. Defensive end Colby Wooden had an impressive retro freshman campaign, 42 tackles, nine and a half of them for loss, four sacks last year. He's a good athlete, has the size to play with his hand in the dirt, the athleticism to stand up over tackle, and that's versatility that's really going to only help his draft pick, won't limit him to certain teams and certain schemes, and certainly continued improvement would also boost his stock. Cornerback Roger McCreary, a player that Tony had as a surprise top 10 pick in our aforementioned mock draft, 45 tackles, three interceptions and six pass breakups last season, which was his first as a starter, solid size and ball skills. Fellow cornerback Nehemia Pritchett played a lot of slot in 2020, likely to start opposite McCreary in 2021 after flashing ball skills last year with 10 pass breakups. And linebacker Zacoby McLean is the fourth and final day two possibility for the Tigers. His 113 tackles led the team in 2020. He added three sacks as well, more like a safety in terms of size but obviously has no problem pursuing plays. Tony, break down Auburn for us.
0: Primarily defensive, as you pointed out. I mean, Auburn has a brand new head coach. Gus Malzahn got the boot. They're not going to play that spread wide. They may, you know, it's probably going to be a different offense this year, but concentrate on the defensive prospects. Colby Wood is a guy, he's incredibly athletic. He shows himself to be a terrific edge rusher. He can get out in space and make plays. He can make plays in pursuit. Uh, I have him right now graded as a second rounder. I love his upside, but again, as a third-year sophomore, he's got to show some upside. Now, when we did our mock top 10 draft, I believe it was soon after the, uh, the April draft, I had Mirage McCreary in the top 10, and that was based on talking to scouts. There were some scouts who feel that McCreary is one of the best senior prospects in the nation, regardless of position. There were some scouts that grade him as a second rounder. After watching the film, I gave McCreary a third-round grade. He's got a stout build, five foot 11 and a half, 190 pounds. He runs well. He's tough. He's smart. My concerns with McCreary are he struggles making plays with his back to the ball. He shows the ability to do it at times, but he doesn't do it consistently. I think deep speed may also be an issue for McCreary. We'll have to see how that pans itself out. I do like the Pritchett kidney in my Pritchett. Uh, you know, played some safety, played some cornerback last year. I have a third-round grade on him. I think he's got a good amount of upside, as you mentioned, he'll be pushed into the starting lineup this year, see what happens there. It's Kobe McClain, an undersized run-and-chase linebacker who plays with reckless advantage. I mean, he's constantly around the football field making plays. He's explosive. He sells out. Uh, he, he goes 100 miles an hour, fires up the field, on the blitz, gets stepped on his pass drops, really good out to the sidelines, chasing the action, like his upside. Here's a guy to keep an eye on. You know, uh, Grant Loy comes back for a super senior season. Now, Grant Loy was a transfer from Bowling Green. And if you go back and watch the 2019 film, Grant Loy was a hell of a quarterback at Bowling Green, who for some reason decided to transfer to Auburn. Gus on, for whatever reason, you know, stuck with Bo Nix, who is basically legacy there at Auburn, but I think he's a terrible quarterback. He's a terrible passer. you got a brand-new head coach there and, and Brian Harson. If Bo Nix can't throw the ball accurately, which he's not shown the ability to do, I wouldn't be surprised if Harson pulls Bo Nix and sticks Grant Lloyd under center. So keep an eye on Grant Lloyd, the quarterback, not graded by scouts. When I mentioned his name to scouts, he kind of shrugged their shoulders. But when I watched the 2019 film at Bowling Green, I thought all along he was a prospect. I hope he gets
1: a chance to play this season. Taking a look at the Florida Gators, eight draft picks this year, including Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Toney in round one and Kyle Trask in round two. And round two is where you're going to find the Gators' top prospects for 2022. Although there is certainly a shot that they could end up in the first round with improvement, cornerback Kyir Elam, 39 tackles, two interceptions, and 11 pass breakups in his first year as a full-time starter in 2020. Great length, well over six feet tall. is the nephew of former NFL defensive back and former Gator Matt Elam, who was the 2013 first-round pick of the Ravens. So he's got some strong bloodlines as well. Brenton Cox Jr., player who was dismissed from the Georgia program in 2019, transferred to Florida. 41 tackles, nine and a half for the loss, four sacks, and a whopping 18 quarterback hurries in his Gators debut last season. He's a player with old-school linebacker size. He's a good athlete, former five-star recruit, who could finally be meeting that potential with the Gators. And a third intriguing defender at Florida, defensive end Zachary Carter. Now, he's not the same level of prospect as his defensive teammates, Elon and Cox, but he was plenty productive last season, had his best numbers yet in his first season, As a starter, 36 tackles, nine and a half for loss, and five sacks. Now, Carter's a guy who improves the more he plays. If that continues, he could make this a trio of potential day two or higher picks. How do you feel about the Gators, Tony?
0: love the upside of Elam and Cox. I mean, Elam is a guy who flashed ball skills. I have right now as an early second rounder. I absolutely think he could develop into a first-round choice. I know a lot of scouts like him. I just want to see the development. I want to see more consistency. Brenton Cox, as you mentioned, was dismissed from Georgia. He's got some off-the-field issues, but on the field, the guy is an absolute monster. When I first saw him play and move around the field, I thought he was a 220, 225-pound linebacker. Then I saw he was listed at 6'4", 253 pounds, which probably means he's in the 6'3", 245-pound area. But still, he is a forceful linebacker who fires up the field just annihilates opposing offensive tackles. He's outstanding in pursuit, going sideline to sideline. He plays with great explosion, great urgency, uh, and suddenness in his game. I I mean, he's a guy who can stop the run in pursuit, make plays in space, or rush up the field. I love his upside as well. Want to see see him uh, take the next step in his game, and then we see what happens with the -the off-the-field issues as to why he was uh, dismissed uh, out of Georgia. Zachary Carter is someone who I think he gets the most from his abilities. He's relatively athletic, 6'3 half, 285 pounds. Is he a defensive end on the four-man front? Is he a two-gap end? Is he an under-tackle or an interior pass-rushing tackle? He's a real good football player is what he is, I and mean, he's a solid athlete who goes up and down the line and make plays out in space as well as rush the passer. I have him as a fourth-rounder right now, but I agree with you. A good season and solid pre-draft workouts prior to April 2022 could push him into day two of the draft.
1: Now we'll cross the Florida Georgia line to the north where we find the Bulldogs nine selections in April, including first round cornerback Eric Stokes and fellow cornerback Tyson Campbell, who went with the first pick in round two to the Jacksonville Jaguars. For 2022, we have more Georgia prospects with draftable grades than any other SEC team which is probably why Tony thinks they're a bit underrated, as he said earlier in the show. But despite those numbers, it might actually be tough to find another first-round pick in this bunch of prospects. Cornerback Darian Kendrick is the top-rated Bulldog, a transfer from Clemson after he was dismissed from the program, started two years at cornerback for the Tigers after beginning his career as a wide receiver, shows those ball skills on the field as well, has good size and length. If he can put together a solid senior season, could end up, being a second round pick like Tyson Campbell was last season, just maybe not quite as high pass rusher, Adam Anderson stepping into the starting role after six and a half sacks in 2020, a bit light. He's well under 250 pounds, but a really good athlete. There's a lot of upside here. If Anderson breaks out now that he has a true full-time role sticking on defense for Georgia pair of talented defensive tackles, Jordan Davis and Devonte Wyatt Davis is a big guy with a great motor eats up space on the inside while Wyatt, bit smaller, better athlete than Davis, more of a three technique type, but still weighs in well over 300 pounds on the offensive side of the ball. A couple of skill guys to watch running back. Zamir white 144 carries 779 yards and 11 touchdowns last season. Good size and power. He's a patient runner, but more of a straight line downhill type of back and wide receiver, George Pickens 36 receptions, 513 yards and six touchdowns in eight games He's great size. He's a game controlling type of receiver but he's also athletic enough to make plays down the field. He's a smooth mover when he's out there. Now there's certainly more at Georgia beyond these six guys, Tony, let us know what else is going on with the Bulldogs.
0: Yeah. Well, from, from an on the field perspective this year, I think the reason why they're so underrated is they just got to get consistent play at the quarterback position. If JT Daniels can stay healthy and, you know, live up to expectations. I, I absolutely think that Georgia with that offensive line, with that defense, with the running game that they always have, uh, and some solid receivers, I think they're going to be in the driver's seat. But as far as the, the uh, prospects are concerned, you know, you mentioned Kendrick dismissed from the Clemson program, ends up in Georgia. I think what the, the disappointing thing about Kendrick is, I think you can make the argument that he was better in 2019 than he was in 2020. I did not really see any development in his game last year. Six foot tall. 195 pounds, speedy guy. I grade him as a second rounder. There are other scouts I spoke with that have him as a early to mid second rounder. There are some scouts I spoke with who gave him a fifth round grade. So that's the thing about Kendrick uh, kind of falling off last year. You mentioned Jordan Davis, six, six and a half, 350 pounds, but an athletic guy, not someone who just uh, occupies the gaps or, or takes up space in the middle of the field, penetrates the line of scrimmage, collapses the pocket, can change direction and get down the line, chase the play and force the action, forces quarterbacks to move their feet if he's not sacking them. I think he's a guy who a lot of people are just going to pigeonhole him as a nose tackle because of his size. I think he's a lot more than that. Speaking of athleticism, as you mentioned, Adam Anderson, he's got linebacker size, primarily lines up in a three-point stance at Georgia, but has shown ability standing over tackle. Supreme athlete, terrific edge rusher, uses his hands well. Outstanding change of direction with the ability to quickly get out of the space and, and make plays. Want to see another big year from him. With Aziz Ojalari graduating to the NFL, now playing with the New York Giants. A lot of the pass rush uh, responsibilities are going to put up, be put on Adam Anderson's shoulders. If he steps up, I can see him making a big move up draft boards. You know, I, I mentioned earlier about McCreary uh, of Auburn, the Roger McCreary uh, being one of the higher-rated senior prospects from scouts I've spoken with. There are some scouts that think Adam Anderson is the top uh, NFL prospect in college football right now. Then there are other scouts who say, I want to wait and see. I gave him a six-round grade. Those are the other scouts. I gave Anderson the third-round grade. I love his upside. You mentioned uh, Zemir Wright. You mentioned Devontae Wyatt. I got a bunch of other guys, Georgia. Travon Walker, who's going to get a lot more playing time this year. Explosive. George Pickens, who's a speed receiver, another good running back, and James Cook, who I think will be a good third down back at the next level. Nolan Smith, outside linebacker, mentioned uh, JT Daniels. I mean, real good defensive front seven for Georgia, littered with NFL prospects, good offensive line, solid skill players. Let's see what JT Daniels can or can't do this year for
1: the team. Our final team on today's show, the Kentucky Wildcats, six draft picks in 2021. And that was the most for the program since 1979. One of those picks went in the first round, linebacker Jameen Davis, to Washington. For 2022, though, Kentucky's probably not going to have another six players drafted, probably not going to have another first rounder either, but certainly some players to watch. Offensive tackle Dari Rosenthal, transfer in from LSU, originally was playing right tackle in spring ball, but it came out on Wednesday that he is back at left tackle, with Darian Kennard moving back to right tackle, And frankly, that's what makes the most sense considering the skill set of each player. Rosenthal does have the power to excel at right tackle, but he's also athletic enough to man the blind side. I'd say he has more upside than his new teammate, but that's not taking anything away from Kennard, who's a very solid player in his own right. He just can't move the same way as Rosenthal, but he's arguably more powerful, a real people mover in the run game, good fit on the right side for Kentucky. And those two are going to team up with guard Luke Fortner, potential late round prospect, and this should be a pretty solid offensive line with three guys who could end up drafted. Break these guys down for us, Tony, and any other prospects of note from Kentucky? Yeah, I
0: like Fortner. He's a tough football player, he's just not a great athlete. I mean, he's six score, he's under 300 pounds. He's not going to time well in the 40, but when you watch the film, he quickly gets out to the second level and shows the ability to block in motion. I gave him a six-round grade. Most scouts I spoke with grade him as a free agent. When I watched Darren Rosenthal last year at LSU, he just continually impressed me when he was on the field. Excellent footwork, as you mentioned. A big man, slides off the edge, terrific in pass protection, shows some explosion and power in the run game, moving defenders off the line. I gave him a third-round grade. I think he can go much higher. Just want to see him complete his game. Darren Kennard, he's a good college tackle. Some scouts really like him, have him graded as early as uh, – The second round. But the thing is, this he's big, he's strong, he's powerful, he's got long arms, he's got big hands, but he's more of a small area guy. He gets explored off the edge by the speed rushers. He's more of a power gap, one dimensional type blocker, which is why I don't rate him as highly uh, as scouts do. You know, they've got a couple of guys on the defensive line Josh Pascal, he's got terrific size and speed. He's just got to step up the consistency. Marquand McCall, he's a big space eater in the middle of 355 pounds. He shows some quickness. Uh, One player that a year ago I was gushing about, tight end Keaton Upshaw, 6'5", 238 pounds, very athletic. He's a fourth-year junior at the tight end position. Just seemed to go in reverse last year. He made a lot of difficult receptions at times, but he also dropped some very easy passes and really didn't elevate the game like I, I thought possible. He's behind Justin Rigg, who's a fifth-year senior on the depth chart. So Keaton Upshur has really got to kick it in the gear to live up to the expectations that at least I had for him after his redshirt uh, freshman campaign.
1: And that's it for the 202nd episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by Bet Online and the Bleed Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us any questions give any feedback you may have as well we'll finish off the sec's final eight teams next week as we continue to get ready for the 2021 season but until then on behalf of tony pauline i'm chris trapote we'll talk to you soon
0: thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host